Good morning, everyone. How are you? It's really good to see you this morning. Um, my name's Esther. I'm one of the leaders here, for those of you uh, who don't know me. Um, over the last few Sunday mornings, um, we've been reading from Luke in the Bible. And in that, we've been taking on some of the challenging things that Jesus said and did. Um, and in the bits over the last few weeks, just in case you haven't been around, um, so Jesus has said stuff that has provoked people so much that they've tried to throw him off a cliff. Um, there's been something about what Jesus has said and done that has made people give up everything and follow him. And he's turned every human assumption and expectation on its head. He's thrown out statements about loving your enemies, forgiving excessively, not judging, and done crazy things like spending whole nights praying. And I think that um, like if we listen to Jesus, like if we actually really listen to him, he's going to make us a bit uncomfortable. Because what he says and who he is is not really for the faint-hearted. But the good thing is, like, we have a choice. Like, we can let Jesus kind of wash over us. We can find him vaguely interesting, and we can get on with life. Uh, we can dismiss Jesus' words as irrelevant and impractical, or we can listen, we can get a bit uncomfortable, we can sit in the tricky stuff, and we can wrestle it out with each other and with Jesus himself. Like, it's not an easy thing following Jesus and responding to what he says, but it's kind of fun. Yeah? yeah. <laughs> I think it is anyway. <laughs> so the title of this talk this morning is um, Rest and Contemplation. Now, for some of us here, that's already provoked a bit of a reaction. Maybe when you've read those three words, you've, you've already started to get a little bit fidgety. And maybe you've rolled your eyes. Maybe you've like gone, <sighs> taken a bit of a deep breath and given a big sigh. And maybe you've started to, or maybe we've started to picture Jesus as this mellow, hippie kind of dude who lives a life so far removed from our real world that he's impossible to listen to, let alone get on board with. But... I don't think Jesus is like that. I couldn't give my life to someone like that, to be honest. Like, I want to follow someone who gets real life, like, who understands the pressure of other people and their expectations, who has faced the temptation to always be busy, like, who has experienced that feeling of there always being something else to do. Like, Jesus has lived it. And for me, this is why he's worth listening to and watching closely on this subject of rest. Like, we might not always like what Jesus says and does, but let's be up for a bit of a challenge this morning and we'll see where we go in all of this. Um, but before we get into our verses, um, I just wanted to be honest about a nagging kind of question that I had when I was starting to prepare this. I had a pretty good idea where this talk was going to end up, that making space for rest and some kind of Sabbath, that is a good thing. And I thought, it's probably a God thing as well. But I had this, this nagging question that was, is this whole rest 
and Sabbath thing? Is it just a wealthy, middle-class, Western kind of construct? Because, like, we have so much. Like, we get to have and talk about rest as something for us to genuinely consider. Like, we get to choose what we do with what Jesus says about this. And my kind of question went to, like, what about when you literally can't afford to rest? What about when life doesn't give you that luxury? And I don't know all the answers and how it fits together, but I guess I just wanted to say that out loud now because sometimes it's good to recognize the place that we get to start from. Like, we have so much. So how do we use what we have and our ability to choose well? Like, how do we live in such a way that our choices about work and rest point people to Jesus rather than just being all about us, all about me? So that's a little challenge to throw out there at the start. Um, I'm going to read the verses. Before we do that, um, I'm just going to pray. Yeah, Jesus... I pray, I pray that we will hear you and see you this morning. Yeah, whether what you say and do, whether we find that difficult, whether it's a challenge or what, yeah, I pray that we will be just open to whatever you want to do and say this morning. Yeah, Holy Spirit, will you, will you fill this place? Will you, will you do your thing? Amen. So... We're going to read from Luke chapter 6, verses 1 to 11. Um, Follow along in your Bibles if you've got one. There are a couple at the back if you want one, or um, the words will also appear on the screen. So this is Luke chapter 6, verses 1 to 11, and this little bit is titled, Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath. So one Sabbath, Jesus Jesus was going through the grain fields, and his disciples began to pick some heads of grain, rub them in their hands, and eat the kernels. Some of the Pharisees asked, Why are you doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? Jesus answered them, Have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God, and taking the consecrated bread, he ate what is lawful only for priests to eat, and he also gave some to his companions. Then Jesus said to them, The Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. On another Sabbath, he went into the synagogue and was teaching. And a man was there whose right hand was shriveled. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, so they watched him closely to see if he would heal on a Sabbath. But Jesus knew what they were thinking and said to the man with a shriveled hand, Get up and stand in front of everyone. So he got up and stood there. Then Jesus said said to them, I ask you, which is lawful on a Sabbath, to to do good or to do evil, to save life? or to destroy it. He looked around at them all, and then said to the man, stretch out your hand. He did so, and his hand was completely restored. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were furious, and began to discuss with one another what they might do to Jesus. So Jesus is tricky, isn't he? Like, you read these two stories, and it looks like Jesus is sticking up a metaphorical two fingers at the Sabbath, It seems like he's purposely flouting all the rules about what you should and shouldn't do on this important day. 
Like, he's making people all kinds of uncomfortable. Like, he's making bold statements and he's asking difficult questions. It's classic Jesus, isn't it, really? And one of the things that I love about the Bible is how it's 66 different books written by loads of different people, full of hundreds of individual stories, yet at the same time, it's all interwoven together to create one big God-inspired story. So when we read what Jesus says, we can look at other bits of the Bible to help us understand a bit more of what's going on, to get a fuller picture. And we can do this when it comes to this Sabbath stuff. So before we look a bit more at our verses that we've just read from Luke, we're going to scoot back to the start of the Bible and have a little bit of a look at God, the Old Testament, and the Sabbath. So I'm going to pick out two bits where God does or speaks about the Sabbath. There are so many more in the Bible, and I'd encourage you to go home, have a look, Google the Sabbath in the Bible. There's loads more verses, loads of stuff that you can read. But in Genesis 2, um, verses 1 to 3, Um, This is right at the start of the Bible. We get the original definition of Sabbath, and this is what it says. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. And so the word uh, rested in these verses is Shabbat in Hebrew, which is where we get the word Sabbath from. And the definition of this Hebrew word is, I think it's really cool and it's really helpful for us when we're thinking about this. Um, so the, yeah, the word Shabbat, it means to stop, to be complete, and it can also be translated to celebrate. So it means to stop, to be complete, and to celebrate. That kind of makes me want to take a deep breath. And And I feel like we could spend a lot of time digging into these definitions further, but we're not going to. But hopefully we can see that God has something in mind for us that is so much bigger and better and fuller than just stopping work for a set period of time once a week. Like, yes, we stop. But there's something in that that makes us whole. Something that is to do with like, how we were created to be. And there's also something of celebration in it. Like, that's, that sounds good, doesn't it? And this is what rest looks like for God. And it's what he wants for us. So keep this in mind. The Sabbath means to stop, to be complete, and to celebrate. And in the second book in the Bible, in Exodus 20, God gives his people the Ten Commandments, ten things to help them live in the best relationship with himself, with each other, and the people around them. These are ten things that will make them stand out and will point other people to their God. And this is what God says in Exodus 20. This is verses 8 to 11. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. 
On it you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. And so these verses, they... Uh, refer back to creation. They point the Israelites and us back to God's original plan. And the thing that we're going to pick out from these verses is quite simply the word remember. So the word remember implies that it's possible and maybe even easy to forget this stuff. Like even though time to rest and the Sabbath is good and it's something God has given us, it's easy to forget. God needs to remind us to remember. Like, he knows what we're like, doesn't he? How easily distracted we are, how we just, like, flip from one thing to another, and what's next, and I'll do this, and I'll do something else, and then I'll do that. And how we like to do things our way, how we like to be in control, and that's not just me, is it? Is it? Okay, I'll work on that. (laughs) So we're encouraged to remember the Sabbath because it's easy to forget. But the Sabbath also encourages us to remember that we are not God. Um, There's a really great book um, I would encourage you to read by a guy called John Mark Comer called Garden City where he talks about work and rest and all of this kind of stuff. And this is a quote from that book. Um, He says, even though the Sabbath is about imitation of the God who works and then rests, it's also a day to remember that we're not God. We take a day off and the world gets along just fine without us. We're not as important as we think. The Sabbath is a day to embrace this reality, to let it sink in, to own it, to celebrate it. I love that. Well... I love the theory anyway. Um, like we take a day off and the world gets along just fine without us. Like we're not as important as we think. Like what a relief when we absorb that and start to believe that and live that out a little bit. Like that could totally transform everything, couldn't it? Like we take a day off and the world gets along just fine without us. And it's at this point where um, I think back to some of those questions that I was asking right at the start, where I'm relieved to realize that rest and the Sabbath, it isn't a wealthy, Western, middle-class construct. It's a God, part of the perfect creation story, gift to the people he loves so much, construct. Like I still have those questions about what we choose to do with what we have and what about when you don't have those choices in life? But rest, rest is a God thing. Like the Sabbath is an opportunity to trust God, to point people to him and what he's like. It's good stuff, isn't it? I like this, the theory. Anyway, but we'll come to that later. So let's skip forward to um, Luke chapter six. Uh, we're going to have a little look at Jesus. And What I'm going to suggest here is that in these two stories that we read about eating and about healing, like Jesus isn't throwing the whole Sabbath thing in the bin. 
Like he's not dismissing it as old school and irrelevant. Instead, he's calling us back to what God originally intended the Sabbath to be about. Not about rules, but about freedom and a way of life that encourages us to thrive. And in the stories that we read, um, the Pharisees, not that, they are actually the Pharisees, they're mentioned in these stories, um, and they were a group of people who were all about rules. Like, literally, they couldn't get enough of them. They thought that pleasing God was all about those Ten Commandments that I mentioned earlier. But to make sure that no one got even like close to breaking them, they added a whole heap of other rules on top of that. So at the time Jesus was speaking, the Jewish people had a written law called the Torah, which is the first five books of our Bible. And in that was 613 commandments. That seems like a lot to me. But on top of that, the Pharisees, they had an oral law which added 1,500 rules on top of that. And my math isn't the best, but that's over 2,000 rules in total. Like that, that's a lot of rules to be keeping. And I think it's important for us to get that because this is the culture that Jesus is living in and that he's speaking into. So... Let's have a look at the first Sabbath story, which is in verses 1 to 5 of Luke 6. So Jesus is out and about with his disciples. They get hungry, so they do the equivalent of nipping into Tesco and buying a bag of crisps. And the Pharisees, they get mad. They're like, why are you breaking the rules? And Jesus throws King David at them, and a story you can read in 1 Samuel 21 in the Old Testament, and he says this, the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Jesus is saying, I am the Lord of the Sabbath. And that's, that's like quite a simple statement, isn't it? It seems kind of quite clear-cut and simple, but I think this statement is loaded with questions that Jesus is throwing out there at the same time. He's saying, like, why have you made this all about you? Like, why have you turned something that, I was, that was meant to bring you freedom and life into a like, heavy, energy-sapping burden? Like, Jesus is saying, the Sabbath is my thing. I made it, and it was good. Like, don't mess it up any more than you have. Like, you're totally missing the point, and you're bringing everyone down with you. Like, maybe that last bit is more me than Jesus. He's way more gracious, but you get the point, right? Like the Sabbath is about, it's about taking rest, it's about freedom, and it's life-giving. Like this is what Jesus is all about. Like now, today, like he's here and he's offering us freedom and life. This is what Jesus is all about. And in the second story, in verses 6 to 11, it's a different Sabbath, a different place, but the Pharisees are there again. They're watching Jesus closely. Um, This time the story involves healing, um, which actually isn't unusual because almost all of Jesus' healings that are recorded in the Bible, they happen on the Sabbath. And I'm guessing that Jesus might have been trying to make a point in all of this. So Jesus is teaching in the synagogue. There's a guy with a shriveled up hand and you can just imagine the tension. Like Jesus has obviously seen this guy. Probably doesn't take long for the Pharisees to spot spot him. 
And then there's the waiting game. Like, who's going to crack first? And I love the question that Jesus asks. He says, which is lawful on the Sabbath? To do good or to do evil? To save life or to destroy it? Now to us, this question seems like a no-brainer. Like, the answer is obvious. But for the Pharisees, this was a valid question. And like, what would they choose? Like, sticking by their rules or seeing the man stood in front of them healed? And I love this about Jesus. Like, this is what he's like. He's always asking questions. And he invites us into a conversation and does that from whatever place we're at, whoever we are. He's like, let's, let's talk about this. Like, he doesn't just, it's not like preaching. He does preach at people sometimes, but like, he wants that conversation, doesn't he? And he's, want, he's inviting the Pharisees into that conversation. But it seems like, They don't want to engage in that because Jesus gets on and heals this guy and it says his hand was completely restored. And again, Jesus is showing us what the Sabbath is about. It's a time for healing and it's a time for restoration. Like above any rules, traditions, Jesus wants to bring healing and wholeness and restoration like to the Pharisees as well. He's offering that to them. It's an offer to anyone. Like they had a choice. What do you do with that? And this is the Sabbath that Jesus is inviting us into. Like it's about freedom. It's life-giving. And it's a time for healing and restoration. Like this is who Jesus is. This is what he's all about. And that sounds really good, doesn't it? Like I like that. And... Like, let's be honest, we all really need this stuff. I need a load of freedom and life and healing and restoration in my life. So why why do I feel a little bit uncomfortable right now? And the honest answer is because I don't know how to do this. Like, yeah, don't get me wrong, I'm 100% on board with everything I've just said. Like, totally. I believe the Sabbath is a God thing. It's something that he's offering us because it's good for us. It's good for people around us, for our community, our city, and beyond. Like, I really believe this whole Sabbath thing is relevant for us today. But it's not easy to work out practically, is it? The book that I talked about earlier, I read read that book, and this guy, he does, does a Sabbath every week every week like this guy's got kids so if you're sat there and you've got kids don't rule yourself out he's also a church leader so if you're a church leader don't rule yourself out and every friday evening phones and technology are switched off like saturday is a long lie-in He spends time with Jesus and his family all at the same time. They go out and they eat good food. They go for walks. They see friends. It's refreshing and restoring, and it gets him through the week. And it sounds like heaven. And part of me longs for that. And another part of me wants to give this guy a little kick. (laughs) Because... I have, I have so many excuses lined up ready 
as to why taking any kind of Sabbath is practically impossible for me and my life right now. I could list them all, but I won't bore you. And you can probably guess most of them because they're probably similar to the list that if you haven't started compiling it in your head already, you'll be doing that quite soon. Like Defining work and rest is tricky and frustrating because it's not clear-cut. There are some things that obviously fit into one category, some things are grey, some things are personal to us. One thing that might be rest for me is not rest for you and vice versa. That's why I can't tell you how to do this stuff. Like We can talk about it and let's do that, but I can't give you a 10-point plan and say, right, off you go, go and do your Sabbath thing. I guess a good place to start when thinking about how we take rest and Sabbath time is to ask, is it life-giving? Is there freedom in it? Is it working towards healing and restoration? So Pete Gregg uh, tweeted once, uh, a full schedule and a full heart are rarely the same thing. The pace of grace is slow. Love and life need time to breathe. A full schedule and a full heart are rarely the same thing. The pace of grace is slow. Love and life need time to breathe. So this, this is where we have a choice. And as I said at the start, we have so much. How do we use what we have and our ability to choose well? How do we live in such a way that our choices about work and rest point people to Jesus? Because that's what we're here to do, yeah? And I don't know about you, it's always easy to move on too quickly, particularly on a Sunday. And to work out how we rest, if we take on something Sabbath-like in our lives, it's going to take some wrestling. It's going to take some chat with Jesus and people around us. Like, it's going to be easy to let this one slide. And I, I'm, yeah, owning this myself. Like, if we're going to model something different to the breakneck speed of the culture around us, to the fear that the world can't cope without us, like, we're going to need some courage to take this on, and we're going to have to do it together. So, obviously, the best place to go when we've got no idea where to start with something is Jesus. And we're going to share communion together. And if you're not sure where to go in this stuff or anything else, like this, taking communion is a place to find Jesus. As we take bread and as we drink the juice, it reminds us of who Jesus is and what he's done for us in dying on the cross and coming back to life. It's also an invitation to us. It's an invitation from Jesus to us. Um, I'm going to put a few questions on the screen. Um, Just a few things to um, have a think about as we go into communion. So if you're feeling brave, ask yourself this question. Where is Jesus wanting to bring freedom, life, healing and restoration in your life? How well... Do you rest? And what could a Sabbath look like for you? 
I'm not saying you have to go all in. You can you go all in, and you tell me how you get on with it. But are there some baby steps you, we, could commit to today? So have a have a think um, of those questions. And uh, to lead us into communion, and I'm going to read some words from Jesus that are in the Bible. So this is Jesus speaking. I think yeah, this is Jesus speaking to each one of us individually and as a church family today. So Jesus says, Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Uh, Jesus, yeah, thank you. Thank you for your words. Thank you for your invitation to come to you. Thank you that you are about freedom, that you're about life, you're about healing and restoration. And thank you, yeah, that you invite us to a place of rest, whatever that looks like for each one of us here, that, yeah, you're inviting us into that place. Yeah, and I pray we speak to each one of us here. I pray that you will prompt us, that you will challenge us to live in a way that is radically different to the culture around us, that models work and rest in a way that points people to you. Yeah, Holy Spirit, will you fill us because we can't do this on our own? Yeah, we need you. Will you uh, yeah, show us what you want for us?